You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. You guys remember when LeBron James was reminding everyone he still got it? Told everybody hashtag washed king was his new motivation because the narrative that he was washed was so far off. I got to go check and see if that's still in his bio. And I might as well check Tom Brady's Twitter bio too because we got a couple of washed kings. At least that's what it looks like right now. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Marcel Louis-Jacques in for Fitz tonight on ESPN Radio, ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. We're going to get into Monday Night Football. We're going to preview my illustrious uh, Chicago Bears taking on the Pats tonight. But Marcel, first of all, you got anything to say to me about taking out LeBron James? Because one of my rules was... It doesn't matter how old LeBron is or who his teammates are. I'm not counting them out. And my other rule is don't count out Tom Brady no matter how old he is. And I'm starting to wonder if I need to rewrite my rule book. Oh, well, look, you can't count out Tom Brady and his team, but you can count out LeBron James' teams. Ooh. I mean, we've seen multiple times in the past. Like, he will be excellent. Don't get me wrong. He will be excellent. But as an accumulator of talented teammates and, and a team builder, not he's not – perfect mm-hmm. it's not great mm-hmm. the, the best teams you've been on have had hall of famers not to rehash this whole you know lebron critical argument but i i mean he put together the the all-star team from nba live 2009 and expected <laughs> it to run well in 2022 and it's not working i i think yeah. he's going to be awesome but his team the lakers no love the commercials though lebron versus father time i think it's one of the best things nike's done in recent memory. All right, so we're cool with washed Lakers. Maybe LeBron still got it, although so far he's been a part of the problem. They all have been. Uh, but Tom Brady, this loss wasn't just a loss of which the Bucks have had too many. This was against a Panthers team that, by all accounts, is trying to tank. They traded away McCaffrey. They got a new coach in. Because it was so bad, which, by the way, we should talk about Steve Wilkes. What is Matt Rule thinking from from the sidelines at home, uh, wondering what exactly he was doing with this roster when they can come out and beat the Bucks without McCaffrey and with P.J. Walker? But, I mean, this, is, this isn't just a loss, Marcel. It's not just a loss. Yeah, it, it, it's now back-to-back weeks against teams that might be picking back-to-back at the top of the mm-hmm. 2023 draft. And, and, you know, NFL, I understand. I understand. Any given Sunday, so on and so forth. The Steelers were just 14-point underdogs against the Bills a couple weeks ago, the week prior to beating the Buccaneers. Vegas says, all right, look, any given Sunday, but not for them. Mm-hmm. And, and they can come out here. Yeah, they can come out and defend their home turf against against Tampa. And and like you said, like it, it's a galvanizing win for Carolina, but it's probably one like where if they didn't – if it wasn't Tom Brady – and every win over Tom Brady just means a little bit more. But if it wasn't Tom Brady, they'd probably be rolling their eyes in that organization. Like, come on, guys, we're losing. Get the, right. get the memo. We, we'd call it a trap game probably, right? And then move on. But we've seen enough now. Four losses in five games. Brady is below 507 games in the season for the first time since 02, which is the only healthy season he's had that he didn't make the playoffs, by the way. And... You've got a team that you're starting to wonder, is this systemic 
failure that will not be fixed instead of just, well, Tom wasn't there for training camp or, oh, they've got a bunch of guys injured and a guy suspended for a game. This is a team that has zero run game and the passing game is out of sync. They can't get anything done on the ground, so they overuse the pass. And if you look, they couldn't get it done in the red zone. That Mike Evans, that was probably the most open he's ever been in his life, that drop. Um, it just, to me, it it feels like everyone who's waiting for the fl- the switch to flip here, it might not get flipped this season. It, it legitimately might. And they are, they're struggling in the red zone. They're struggling to hang on to the ball. Uh, you know, 27th in average time of possession, uh, 26th converting on 47% of the red zone attempts. And, and yes, they are the worst rushing team in the NFL this year, but like that's something they've been content to do, right, in years past. They've, they've said, look, well, Fournette will, will, will eat up whatever yards are left on the table. We're more than happy to put the ball in Tom Brady's hands and tell him to go to work. That doesn't Not necessarily working. work when you have mm-hmm. a patchwork offensive line. Like you said, when you're, when you're dealing with new receivers – because Godwin's been hurt, Evans has been suspended. Brock I think Julio gone. Jones still plays there, yeah, but he's, he's hurt every week. other week. Mm-hmm. So that he's having to get used to a whole new crop of players after missing half of training camp, and that would have been a nice time to get used to to the new players on the team, the the Russell Gages of the world, while Chris Godwin is still rehabbing. So uh, I I think that you know it's Tom Brady, but I don't think you can discount the impact that, you know, several factors of him not being there in the offseason have come into play. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Marcel-Louis Jacques in for Fitz tonight. Tom Brady, a couple weeks ago, on October 6th, said this about his team, which was also 2-2, two and two, but looking around at all the other teams in the league and the parody. I think we got that. And then he said this last night about how they've lost to a one and five, I think it was, one and four Steelers team and then a one and five Panthers team. Right. Oh. So it went from a lot of bad football to it's still the NFL. These teams have some really good players and some strengths. Let's talk about Tom Brady because I think rightfully so, most analysts and people with some respect for his family and, and it being separate from football have avoided talking about all the uh, things going on off the field. But I think we are at fault then for not diving in a little bit, at least to the regret that might be coming from the retirement announcement and going back on that from missing out on training camp for those family issues from sitting out on Wednesdays for going to Robert Kraft's wedding. I mean, we're kind of, I think letting him skate in terms of the results plus potentially the cumulative effect of his choices. Yeah, and then, like you said, maybe individually these things, you know, by themselves in a vacuum wouldn't be derailing, but the combination of that paired with the fact that, yeah, like he is pushing it in age now. Like he, he is at the tail end of his career, whether, you know, we like to admit it or not. Uh, it, it's, it's a cocktail for disaster. And that's what we're mm-hmm. seeing here. And and plus, and again, an offensive line that's dealing with some injuries uh, and retirements compared to last year uh, that's struggling to protect them. Uh, in this NFL, 
your quarterback, it's trending toward your quarterback has to be able to move a little bit. It doesn't have to be Lamar Jackson or Cam Newton. He's got to be able to navigate outside the or pocket. Your off, and, or your offensive line has to be so great it doesn't matter, which is what it's been for him the last two years. Bingo. And yeah. when neither of those things are true, yeah, like, again, you just kind of you're, – you're shaking it in the mixer right now and pouring it into a cup of disappointment for the Buccaneers organization and fans so far this season. And that's kind of – that is what we're seeing. We can't discredit him not being there every Wednesday. We can't discredit taking half of training camp off because, uh, you know, when you could do the extracurricular stuff, but you also have to win games. And mm-hmm. if you're not winning games, then the other stuff becomes that much more magnified. So I've got an update real quick, and it's Sarah Spain, Marcel Louis-Jacques. You can hit us up on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed, at Spain and Fitz, at Sarah Spain, at Marcel underscore LJ. I checked that Twitter feed. Tom Brady, uh, no mention of Washed King. It does say family and football. Uh, and his uh, header photo is still the whole the whole family. And then LeBron James did a quick update over there. Uh, no hashtag Washed King in sight. So just a little quick Twitter bio check-in. You can be a part of Spade and Fitz Nation on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed. At Spain and Fitz, at Sarah Spain, at Marcel underscore LJ, ESPN Nation, presented by Dr. Pepper. It ain't college football season without the delicious taste of an ice cold Dr. Pepper, the one fans deserve. Coming up, we are almost through seven weeks of NFL football. We got some tricks. We got some treats. It is spooky season, y'all. We'll get into it next. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. That's right. It's almost Halloween, y'all. Bet you can't wait to see what I'm going to be for Halloween on Around the Horn. No spoilers. You have to wait and see. Tune in next Monday. Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain. Fitz is out tonight. Marcel Louis Jacques filling in on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. It is. Uh, after tonight's game, we will be through week seven of the NFL. We are starting to have a better idea, Marcel, of who's a trick and who's a treat. Uh, by the way, trick is what a whore does for money. Illusions are magic. Uh, in case you're wondering, uh, let's get into our first trick. That's got to be Aaron Rodgers. Holy cow. We just went in on the washed King Tom Brady, but that Packers loss to an absolutely brutal commanders team. That's up there too. That is a trick. Oh, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. And you know, losing in London, before that, to to the Giants team that before the season on paper you would have expected Green Bay to win, it, it is becoming glaringly obvious, hey, maybe y'all should have tried a little harder to keep Devontae Adams and to make mm. Devontae Adams happy because clearly it's not working with just Aaron Rodgers and the Yeehaw gang. Uh, he didn't put the time <laughs> in this offseason to build yeah. chemistry with his receivers. The young guys are making mistakes because he's calling them out publicly. And it, it the whole thing just looks like a mess. So best of luck. Green Bay fans, but if you miss the playoffs in this weak NFC conference, changes need to be made. Yeah, I mean, this is a, like like we talked about with Brady. You have to question Packers' uh, decision-making around their weapons and also how much Aaron Rodgers was committed to this young group and the issues that they had early, whether they could have been further along in their chemistry with a little more work. Um, trade deadline a little more than a week away, so uh, – you know, Sammy Watkins will come back, but he wasn't—he wasn't a big help in that first return. Um, he should—he should get better the longer he's back. But um, they can't run the ball. There's no chemistry. I don't know how much Luke Getzey leaving for the Bears has affected Rodgers, but it—it's not been good. And this was a 
This was a Heineke-led commander's team. Made him look great, too, so that defense didn't do anything either. Definitely a trick. A treat. Joe Burrow, the Bengals. Joe putting up basically a season's worth of yards in one game. A season's worth for a Bears quarterback, I should say. Uh, great protection. Tons of vertical passing. Starting to look like last year again, but even better because some of the issues they had last year, they actually worked on in the offseason. When they started off, we thought that they were behind, but now it's all starting to come together. 481 yards, three touchdowns, no picks. That offense is fun. Oh, yeah, and to borrow an Aaron Rodgers term, R-E-L-A-X. After losing their first two games of the season, the Bengals didn't freak out. They didn't panic. Uh, They realized that that opening loss of the Steelers, when you turn the ball over five times, you're not going to win. I don't care who you are, who you're playing. They've taken a lot better care of the ball ever since, just three Mm -hmm. turnovers since week two. So it's no surprise that they've won four out of the last five. Well, and they've taken care of their quarterback. The sacks early on were a real scare. And uh, our, our buddy Jordan Cornette's even got a shirt he wears on game days now that says protect Joe Burrow. So everybody knew that that was the key there. And they're giving him enough time and protection uh, to show off, which is what he did the other night. In Spain and Fitz, we're doing a little NFL trick or treat. Oh, this is tough to listen to. Frank Reich. Talking about Matt Ryan, who we just heard the other night, the announcers during the game, talk about how Matt Ryan had found a kindred soul in Frank Reich, the best man he's ever met. Well, here's how it went down today in the coach's presser. And the headline outside of being out for injury is that Reich has named Sam Ellinger as the starting quarterback for the rest of the season. Not just injured and out for a bit, but rest of the season. That is a trick. That's tough. Yeah, and, you know, when we're talking about Wast Watch, respectfully, Matt Ryan is the poster child for that mm. for that movement. People uh, didn't think so, though. Coming into the season, probably not. And, I mean, he wasn't – it's not like he was spectacular uh, in, in any of the past couple years for, for Atlanta. But you, you would figure he would give them, you know, like Phillip Rivers-type boost where, all right, you got one last one in you, Matt. Yeah, no, he didn't. He doesn't. Yeah. Uh, I mean, this team, though, this is two straight seasons of, all right, they've got enough around them. This is a talented roster. As long as uh, Carson Wentz is just a little better, or as long as Matt Ryan's just a little better. And, oof, it's been tough. It's been tough. And for Matt Ryan, uh, not the way this expected to go. Tricks or treats in the NFL. Let's get to uh, an unexpected treat. The New York football teams are real, Marcel. I was having fun with them having a good start and waiting for the other shoe to drop. But we're talking about good Jets and Giants teams. We are. And if you look at the if you look at the Jets, I, I really like what Joe Douglas has has been able to do the past couple of years. Signing Carl Lawson, even though, you know, he he I think tore his Achilles almost right away uh after he was signed. I thought was a great move in free agency. They've drafted really, really well. Sauce Gardner is looking like an early defensive player or defensive rookie of the year candidate. Brees Hall looks like a star. Garrett Mm. Wilson, Jermaine Johnson. I mean, I don't know if another team had a better first four picks in this year's draft. And then you go to last year. I mean, Elijah Vera Tucker, unfortunately, out for the season. We just heard today. He's an excellent, versatile lineman. Elijah Moore, once he gets, you know, doesn't pout or is happy with the organization then he's still a very talented player Michael Carter an excellent wide receiver too or excuse me running back too they've slowly been stockpiling talent and that defense believes in Robert Sala 
then and yeah. when a team plays for its coach like they have done in the past or in the past year or so you get the sense that eventually the light will turn on if the personnel is right so you know i like to see it from from them and then i love it from my guy dave's man brian dable uh yeah. worked with him for a few years in buffalo uh I mean, just couldn't happen to a better guy. He's just doing all the right things, person. and everybody's pumped for him. He's got that city one over. Uh, Brees Hall, unfortunately, ACL tear and a minor meniscus injury, so that's a huge hit for them. Uh, but obviously, Jets, uh, you know, all their stats are best since 2010, which was their last playoff season, so they are headed in the right direction. It's Spain and Fitz, Marcel-Louis Jacques in for Fitz, doing some tricks and treats. We're running out of time here. I wanted to throw in a couple tricks that were not – NFL related. Number one, Zion Williamson's hurt again. Now I know it's just a hip contusion and hopefully he'll only be out a short time, but you hate to see that so early. And Brandon Ingram also the Pelicans out with concussion symptoms. So uh, that's rough for the Pelicans who are really fun so far. Zach Levine, supposedly going to have injuries to his knee and issues with his knee for the whole season. They seem to sound like, even though they said he's fine, that's frustrating. And listen, we got to give uh, a big trick to Nick Saban for trying to tell us that Jermaine Burton was scared on the field when he hit the female fan. Please, Marcel, with that one. No, thank you. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. For a job you'll love, visit Progressive.com slash careers. Coming up, Patrick Mahomes' number one truther joins us. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. Is Patrick Mahomes getting better somehow? That seems unfair. It seems unfair to the rest of the league, but that seems to be the case. We're going to talk about Mahomes and some other quarterbacks doing good things, and we'll have to talk about some that are not as well. It's Spain and Fitz. Sarah Spain, Marcel-Louis Jacques, in for Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. Joining us now, Yahoo NFL writer Charles McDonald. You can follow him at 4Verts. As the number one Patrick Holmes truther, let's just start there. We have seen him do a lot of incredible things. What stood out to you against the Niners yesterday? Uh, I don't know. Like, what didn't really stand out? He's <laughs> he's like, he's perfect. I don't know. There's, there's, there's not really uh, much else for me to say about, like, what he is as a player. But I think yesterday, and, and really I think what you've seen over, like, the last few weeks, really since that, that, uh, that game against Tampa Bay on primetime is, like, <laughs> we already knew that he was good, but there was going to be some time, like, just where you try to get get used to having the, the, the target vacuum that disappears with Tyreek Hill going to Miami. And, uh, you know, they lit up the charges the first week, but I think they, you know, they've had some spots where they don't quite look like the same old Chiefs. But uh, this past weekend, I think you really just saw top to bottom, uh, Mahomes has kind of figured out what works with this group. And it, it wasn't like <laughs> that was some bum defense he was going against. That's, you know, arguably the best defense in the league. Uh, with the 49ers and Nick Bosa was back and a couple of other guys were back. So I, I, I just think it's incredible that, you know, you, you come back another year, different supporting cast, and uh, this Chiefs team is, is just lighting people up again. So, you know, outside of Buffalo, I don't really think that anyone can stop them or even slow them down on offense, which is just a remarkable thing to say after you lose someone as good as Tyree Kill. And then just going back to where Mahomes has been as a starter for his entire career – He's he's just the best. Like I, I don't really yeah. think that there is an argument for anyone being number one. His resume is impeccable. He's going to do it with no matter who you put in front of him. He is the best quarterback in the NFL. Man, Chuck, I'll, 
it's a good thing that you did say besides Buffalo, because I know that any Bills fans <laughs> listening to you say that is ready to yeah, dial in as baby. we speak. As we speak, cry protect baby your Buffalo mentions. Oh, <laughs> uh, look, man, you're familiar. You're familiar with the Giants, uh, you know, from from your newspaper days. How are they able to turn things around so quickly? Like, it, it, rarely do you see it just be as simple as hiring a new coach and a GM. You know, what what was it that Dable and and uh, that Dable was able to do to get things right in New York? Uh, well, he got to New York uh, back in what January or something, and he put some magic healing water over Saquon Saquon Barkley's <laughs> ankles and knees, and said, "Here we go, Saquon. Lake Minnetonka. We need to right. We need to win a game against the Jacksonville Jaguars." We need 10 plays to get it done, and we're going to run the ball with you on nine of them. Uh, I, I think what, what Dabble has done really well, especially over the past few weeks, where, you know, I, I don't think that the personnel management was great at the start of the season, especially, you know, we're not really playing a guy like Darius Slayton, but they've they figured it out. Um, they, they have got a healthy Saquon Barkley, which has obviously proved to be a really valuable weapon for them. Uh, Darius Slayton has had a, a, a good season. I think they're trying to figure out like what works for Daniel Jones uh, in that offense. And as we saw this past weekend, it's kind of getting him on the move and letting him be an athlete in space, which is not what I think that, you know, I think if you watch Danny, Daniel Jones, you're not really surprised, but if you're a kind of a casual observer, like, yeah, that's, that's, that's something that he can do. And it can really be a dangerous part of your offense if uh, you're willing to commit to it. So now, you know, you look at an offense that suddenly has two dangerous runners in the backfield. Uh, Saquon Barkley's healthy. He's someone that can take the load on for you. But I think that really what Babel has done well and what's, what was really missing, uh, especially with Joe Judge and Jason Garrett, is just kind of finding roles that, that fit for players. Uh, you know, this is still a team that hasn't gotten much out of Kadarius Tony or Kenny Galladay this season. So, you know, if Kenny Galladay can kind of get back to his form where he was with the Lions, this, this offense is still – it still has a lot of room to improve. I mean, this team has a lot of room to improve, which is interesting to say about a 6-1 team, but, you know, you're talking four of these wins that they've had. They've had double-digit di- double deficits during the game. So, you know, I, I kind of wonder how, how long they can kind of keep that up. You know, they're not really blowing teams out like you would expect from one of these 6-1 teams, but you can't discount the wins, and I think Brian Devil has a huge part to uh, do with that. I like how you're calling him Dabble instead of Dable. It's like he is a celebratory uh, act. Uh you yeah. know, he's he's dabbing on him with this record, which I might get that none, right of at some us, point. none of us expected. Uh, Charles McDonald, Yahoo NFL writers with us here on Spain and Fitz. Marcel Louis Jacques in for Fitz. You could follow him at 4Vert on Twitter. Okay, you got to pick one player to believe in and one team to believe in. Uh, they don't have to be the same. Rodgers, Brady, washed kings. What do you see in their future? Man, I mean, I, I, think, I, I think the Buccaneers are a better team just because Outside of you know, whatever the whatever the hell happened on Sunday against the Panthers, their defense has been pretty good uh, this season. And I, I think just, just when, I, when I look at the Bucks roster compared to the Packers roster, I just see more players to kind of be afraid of. Uh, and I think that that's the best way to just figure out who's going to be better moving forward. But, uh, man, it, it's really shocking to see a team with Tom Brady <laughs> score three points against a team that just had a conniption. On Sunday, so mm-hmm. bad. Last Sunday, where Robbie Anderson basically gets fired at halftime. You're going to tell me that Tom Brady like, can't even score a single touchdown. I know Mike Evans dropped one to start the game, but uh, they look really bad right now. I, I, I just tend to think that when you look at the defense and some of the wide receiver talent that Tampa Bay has, I, I, I'm still inclined to take them over Green Bay. 
Uh, then when you look at Green Bay, I I, I think when, you, when we look at the Packers, we, we probably should have expect, expected some of this, right? Where you come into an offense that if everyone is healthy, you're looking at a top four of Sammy Watkins, Randall Cobb, and then two rookie receivers. Uh, I don't know. That, that's, well, Lazard, I think I expected a bit more from Oh, yeah, him. Alan Lazard, yeah. He, he's yeah. up there, too. Uh, but it, it just it just seems to, to me like they didn't really prepare enough for the potential that they would need, like, some more veteran experience uh, on the outside. So, you know, I, I think it's interesting when Rodgers last week, after they lost to the Jets, is complaining that uh, some parts of their offense are maybe a bit too complex. But I, I think that they, they need to be cre- as creative as they can to really exploit – uh, what has been a pretty bad offensive line this year, although they've been banged up with injuries. Uh, A.J. Dillon has had a down year. Uh, and like I said, you're, you're pushing two rookie wide receivers into the offense, and those guys are going to have their growing pains. So I, I think that the Packers season, man, you're really on life support here because you go to Buffalo next week, Sunday night, they're coming off a bye. I don't think there's any reason to expect that that game will be close based on what we've seen from these teams over the past few weeks. So, you know, if you're looking at three and five, halfway through the season, I, I don't even know if the, if the Packers can make the playoffs at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the Bucks, they're helped by playing with the crappy division. I mean, they're tied for first with the Falcons. We saw what the Falcons did yesterday. They barely even play like a football team. So uh, I, I think Tampa Bay, they still have a pretty good shot to make the playoffs too. And that's a perfect segue here, Chuck, because anybody that knows you, anybody that follows you understands your hate relationship with the Falcons. Can't call it love-hate because I'm not seeing a lot of love. But you understand the Falcons. So as somebody who has seen Matt Ryan play for the entirety of his career, is this indie experiment something that people probably should have seen coming? Um, I I kind of think that it, it's it's a little bit of a surprise, but I think I, I, I here's what I think about Matt Ryan. Uh, I thought he played I thought he played pretty well last season for Atlanta. I mean, he was a huge reason why they were able to somehow finish 7-10, and 10, even with a much, much worse point differential. Um, but you're also at the point where any year could be the last, you know, <laughs> 37, 38. Like, it's it, true for it, all it, of us, Charles. Yeah, yeah, for all of <laughs> us. I mean, I'm only 28, so I don't know anything about that yet. So oh, okay. I'm, I'm hoping that the, 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 <laughs> fate there, jeez. <laughs> yeah, I'm hoping the last 10 years of my life are, are, are smooth. Uh, but I, I think that uh, – with Matt Ryan, like, you're kind of at the point where, unless you're Tom Brady, like, it could be the last year you play well at any point. And uh, I think that where Matt Ryan is, last year was the last year where he kind of looked like a legit starting quarterback. And now he got benched for Sam Ellinger for the rest of the year. I mean, pretty pretty, uh, pretty sad anticlimactic way for my guy Matty Ice to go out. But by the no time doubt. he's defeated that this day. No doubt. Spain and Fitz, Marcelo Jacques in for Fitz. Charles McDonald with us, Yahoo NFL writer. You can... Follow him at four verts. Hey, last quick question for you. Do you think that the Cowboys offense will be good enough to make them a contender? Or uh, is that just not quite going to be good enough to keep up with the defense and face off against the better teams in the league? Um, I, I think that Dak is going to be good enough to make them a contender. Uh, I, I, I'm just interested to see like what this offense looks like with Dak at the quarterback and Stevie Lamb at your number one wide receiver because – uh, you know, I think we saw that at times last year, but Mark Cooper was still there. And now they haven't really had a whole lot of time where it's just those two uh, playing together. So I think that that's going to be key for Dallas. But, man, this defense is really good. Uh, really, really, really good. Uh, Dan Quinn really settled in as a defensive coordinator. I think he's adjusted the scheme a lot since he was 
uh, calling plays in Seattle and Atlanta, running their defenses. Michael Parsons is obviously a monster. And then they've got a bunch of role players. Like, their defensive line, they have guys beyond just Michael Parsons and uh, DeMarcus Florence that are playing well. It's a really deep, talented unit. So if you can get back playing at, like, you know, borderline top 10 quality again consistently week in, week out, I don't really see why they can't be contenders. Awesome stuff, Charles. Always appreciate it. All right, see you guys. Charles McDonald with us here on Spain and Fitz. Coming up, we're going to switch gears for a minute before we get you back into Monday Night Football talk. It's going to be World Series time coming up in a couple days. We'll get you ready for it. Who you got, who you want. It's next. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. An incredible moment. An incredible series. An incredible run for a Phillies team that was 22-29. and 29. When Joe Girardi was let go, 22 and 29, and they're in the World Series. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Marcel Louis Jacques in for Fitz on ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM Channel 80. You heard the Bryce Harper Homer Phillies grab a 4-3 win over the Padres in Game Five, the first sixth seed to reach a World Series. Astros, uh, minus 180 as the favorites per Caesars. Not surprising. They did not lose a game. En route to the World Series. <laughs> uh, unbelievable. It was hard for me, Marcel, because uh, the Astros-Yankees series was sort of a meteor situation for me. Uh, and Phillies-Padres, I was like, oh, either one's fine, right? I, I, I wish that it could have somehow ended up mixing up those series because there are very few people in America that want to see the Astros in another World Series and maybe even fewer that wanted to see the Yankees there. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think there's a legitimate question to be had here that like is there any other city would any other city pull toward the Astros outside Mm -hmm. of Houston and I don't Mm -hmm. even mean like I don't even think cities in Texas like Houston like that so I I don't think that it's it's them against the world you know standpoint right now but uh, you know it's really it is really cool for for the Phillies or you know I would have been okay with either them or the Padres making it there's there's storylines there you know Padres to to lose uh lose Tatis for for the year and then some and still make a World Series run I thought would have been awesome from a team building standpoint and then the Phillies look nobody was talking about the Phillies in the NL East it was Braves this Mets that back and forth back and forth and then all of a sudden the Phillies just kind of like cracked open the door and slid in while everybody else was arguing with the pizza guy so it's (laughs) it's cool to see them make it I'm pulling for the Phillies personally you know, I uh, I feel like the, uh, the entire country outside of Houston will be, but I also think it's not just they're not the Astros, but it's one of those teams with crazy energy, that underdog story, that come from behind, everybody's hyped, the players are rallying around each other, they've got their own song, which, by the way, Dancing on My Own by Robin is a far superior version than the Callum Scott Tiesto version, but that's okay, it's still a good jam. Uh, I'm curious if you have another underdog they remind you of because I want to put it up at Spain and Fitz, at Sarah Spain, at Marcel underscore LJ. Hit us up on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed. Let us know your all-time favorite underdog team that won it all because the Phillies are a sixth seed. Again, started the season 22 and 29. So there's got to be – this one reminds me, of course, because it's Philly, of the Eagles – who actually wore full-on dog masks to, to make sure everyone knew they were the underdog. Yeah, and look, as a as a Northern California native, 
I will always say the San Francisco Giants. I mean, pick a team, 2010, 2012, 2014. Pick a team. I, I would say that they were the, the, the underdogs of the – my favorite underdog story. I mean, even if they, yeah. they did technically win the NL West in, in 10 and, and 12, but nobody actually took them seriously. You know what I mean? Nobody actually took them seriously to win it all, especially going up against – uh, Miguel Cabrera and the Tigers there in the World Series or the Texas Rangers there in 2010. But then that 2014 team that was a wild card and in, you know, Brandon Crawford, the grand slam against the Pirates in the wild card round. Uh, it, it's just Madison Bumgarner going full cyborg mm-hmm. there, I, it, which might be the best stretch of baseball any individual player has ever played. I, I, I am going to have to go. I'm going to have to give the nod to the 2014 Giants, my f- yeah. personal favorite underdog. Well, we will ask y'all. I mean, I don't think you can count the 2016 Cubs as an underdog, except they did go down 3-1 in the series. So I'm saying there's a chance for me to name that my favorite underdog. It's Sarah Spade, Marcel Louis-Jacques. You can let us know uh, your favorite all-time underdog team, and certainly the Phillies would be up there if they were to go on to win this. Uh, Real quick from the football world, by the way, we've got some breaking news. Ian Rappaport, Rappaporting that the Jets are acquiring Jaguars running back James Robinson to replace Brees Hall, who we mentioned earlier in the show, has a torn MCL and a minor meniscus injury. Uh, Adam Schefter updating the comp there. Uh, Jets are trading a sixth-round pick that could become a fifth to Jacksonville for Robinson. So update on the Jets uh, looking to get some help there after Brees Hall's injury. Uh, we uh, we were talking about the, the Yankees getting swept in that series, and... You know, I said before the postseason started that they seemed the ripest for an upset for a number of reasons. One, that bullpen was real easy to take advantage of. And number two, I was just wondering if the Aaron Judge focus on the home runs thing was exhausting in ways that were sort of... um, would add up whether or not the players would acknowledge it. But I feel like uh, there was so much buildup for that, that coming into the postseason, there was potential for upset. And that's what happened. Uh, Just an ugly, ugly series for them losing. uh, And by the way, the Astros have their number. They've, they've they've just destroyed them in the postseason. But now the question everybody's asking is what does it mean for judge? And Buster only was on KJ and max and said, he thinks it's not going to matter too much when it comes to his contract. Yeah. I mean, you got to think Marcel that after an ugly finish like that, they need to prove, Hey, we care about winning. We're still trying to win and they're just going to throw money at him. You can't lose like that and then lose judge in free agency. You can't. So, I mean, this is a good news. This is, this is a win-win and a little bit of a loss for Aaron Judge. Because, yeah, technically his team lost. But like you said, the Yankees can't take back-to-back L's like that. So the bag mm-hmm. is going to be stupendous no matter yeah. where he goes. Now the price just went up. The price for the Judge just went up. So no matter where he goes, generational money is coming to follow. So, yeah, I think, you know, he can come out of this with a smile on his face. You know, go to go to Ultras Rios, go to Barbados, <laughs> you know, go kick it in the sand somewhere, man. You're about to be taken care of. Well, he probably won't be watching the World Series. Starts on Friday. Road to the World Series goes through ESPN Radio. You can catch all the postseason action presented by AutoZone on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. We're less than 30 minutes from Monday Night Football between the Bears and Patriots. Also, some interesting names on the Manning cast. We'll let you know what they are next. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. 